Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. Y'all know that uh, this weekend uh, is a very uh, important weekend, right? Very definitive weekend, right? No? College football season is here, yeah. How about that? And those Gators eked them out a little bit of a win there. Hey, hey, doesn't matter. Uh, it is a win as a win, especially in the first game. Now, I will admit this. I know some of you are excited and some of you don't care, but I will admit this. Them Bravos are doing so great that I was like flipping over a lot. I think I watched more of the Braves game than I did of the college football game. And, and I was looking forward to college football starting. Uh, but there's something that you can do if you don't want to miss something these days. As a matter of fact, it's one of the greatest inventions of all time. Right? The DVR. Right? How many of y'all got DVR? Now, if there's something you don't want to miss, you got are, and are blessed by having a DVR. You know, so if you don't have one, you probably, you probably don't even want one. But a DVR is a good thing. It's a good thing. And there have been times that there was something that I wanted to, to watch. Matter of fact, it's, my, it's, the, it's, the, it's the way that I watch most things now. You know, a, a bad, having a DVR is now one of my favorite ways of wasting time. You know, if I want to waste time, I'm going to waste it with a DVR and not watch live, you know, stuff. But um, a bad day for me is whenever I have to watch a commercial. Yeah, that's, that's bad. You know, that's like wrong, you know. So, uh, I love DVRs. And so there have been times that, you know, that there was like a big Auburn game or something like that I wanted to watch. And matter of fact, um, we had one recorded and, and, uh, somehow or another I got on it and was watching it the, uh, a few, a few week or so ago. And, uh, I couldn't remember, you know, at, at, at the time, I couldn't remember if we won or not. And so I was watching this game, uh, you know, that had been pre-recorded and able to fast forward through, you know, the commercials and stuff like that. And I was watching this game and uh, there was we were losing. There was a lot of mistakes that were going on. And, um, you know, I was going, I don't know if I want to waste my time watching this game. And so I kind of asked Siri, you know, uh, uh, to go back who won the game. And I saw that we won the game. And so I was going, wow. Uh, and now that I know that we're, we're winning the game, instead of what we often do, instead of fussing or throwing something down or in disgust, just turning the TV off. I know y'all have never done that. You know, but uh, you know, instead of doing all that, because I knew we won the game, you know, I watched in excitement and anticipation, you know, thinking... This is going to be amazing to see how we, you know, how we get this miraculous victory, how we snatch this victory from, you know, such a poor performance. I was kind of anticipating that, looking forward to that. 
Uh, and the, here's the deal. As I was thinking about that, I, you know, it just really occurred to me the way that I calmly and excitedly watched that recorded game is really the way that we as Christians should live if we lived with the end in mind, right? When you think about our lives, you know, instead of getting all worried and stressed out and, and uh, just wigged out about stuff that's going on in our life and losing it, we should, we should be like, okay, we know the end, right? There's the promise of God. We know how it all is going to end. And one day that we will be with Jesus and that he'll wipe away every tear. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering, and we'll be in his glory. So we know how that's going to end. But we also know according to his word and to us and his many, many promises to us that he always finishes what he starts in our life. He's got a plan and purpose for our life. And if we really believe that, then, you know, we're, we're not going to get so tied up. But too often we don't, we don't sing like we were singing a little bit ago. We don't sing like, oh, victory in Jesus. I've got the victory. I got it. No, we're living like, oh, we're under it that we're going to lose. And we're not living with the right perspective. You know, it's, it really, when it comes to what God has told us and what he, and he, what he says is always true when it comes to our lives personally and to history, you know, we need to, we need to, as Christians, to adopt the theme song that many of our college, you know, teams have adopted. I first heard it our championship year in 2013. You know, and it comes over the loudspeakers. All we do is win, 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 win. You remember that song? Y'all know that? How many know that? Y'all don't, y'all don't understand. And every time I step in the building, the hands go what? Up. Oh yeah, y'all know it. The hands go up. Okay. Hey. That should be our theme song as followers of Christ and as the church because we are victorious. We don't need to live uh, any other way. But that's not really the case, is it? It's not really the case that we're living with this sense of calm and confident expectation that God is in control and whatever it is that we're experiencing, that He's got a plan and a purpose for it and all we do is win, win, win. And when he walks in the building, all the hands go up. There it is. We need to live that way. It's not always the case because too often we let the old man in. Now, if you're here today and this is your first time being here, then you're coming in at the tail end of the series entitled, Don't Let the Old Man In. And by old man, we're not talking about old folks because you look around, there's a lot of us old. You know, <laughs> thank you for letting me in. You know, but we're talking about anything, anything in our lives that's not surrendered to and submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ that's under His control. It may be our old thinking or world thinking or fleshly thinking or selfish thinking, uh, whatever the case may be. But the reason so often that we don't live with a sense of calm and confident and excited uh, living is because we, we're, we're stinking thinking. We're, we're, we're world thinking. We're letting the old man in. And so it's through this series that, that God has been encouraging us and exhorting us, don't do that. Don't let the old way of life, don't let world think in and dictate what's going on in your life. Let the new that we have in Jesus Christ. For He says, you know, anyone in Christ uh, is now all things are new. The old is gone, the new has come. And so the new life, Spirit of God is in us. In us. 
And he wants us to live like that and understand them. So here's a, a phrase that, that's really kind of been a launch pass and, and really the challenge for us as Christians in this day and time where we get sucked in to living like the culture and not living like who we are in Christ when we now find ourselves so tempted to be conformed to the world instead of transformed by the renewing of our mind. This verse right here out of Luke. Where it says, if anyone wishes to follow me, this is Jesus said, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So Jesus says, as a follower of his, here's the key, deny self. Don't let the old self in. Don't let the old man in. Don't let the old mindsets in. Don't let those old beliefs in. Don't do it. And our, our series, this, is on, 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 this isn't on your notes, but so our mantra for this series is, for heaven's sake, don't let the old man in. Because Jesus says, if, if anyone who gives up his life for my sake will find it. And so, for heaven's sake, don't let the old man in. That's what we're getting. And so hopefully you've been saying, saying that to yourself. Heaven's sake, uh, Mike, don't let the old man in. Don't let the old man in. You know, let the mind of Christ control you. The verse that we've, we've had, He must increase in prominence, but I must decrease. Hey, matter of fact, he, it not, is that your prayer? Is that your desire? Say this verse with me. Here we go. He must increase in prominence, but I must decrease. But, you know, so much of what we see, even in followers of Christ, is just we see a lot of, a lot of me. Uh, a lot of I, a lot of self, self-interest, uh, and, uh, and yet our prayer through this series, and it will continue to be our prayer, God, Jesus, you increase in prominence in my life, in my family, in my finances, in every aspect of my, uh, of my world, increase in prominence. Please make, join us in making that your prayer, our prayer that Jesus would increase because what happens? The more and more that He increases in prominence, the more freedom that we have. The more and more increases in prominence, uh, the more we will be transformed. The more, more the world and those that need Him will be attracted to Him. So, you know, this is some of the good stuff there. So, the problem is, is uh, uh, that we, when we let the old man in, uh, it just messes up and we can live like the world, look like the world, and that's not at all who we are. The antidote to that is thinking like Jesus. Is thinking like Jesus. That's what we've been talking about this whole series. And so our little catchphrase has become more like Jesus. I must think more like Jesus. You know, we, we've got to focus on Him and who we are in Him. And He tells us that we can do that. It's not some impossible thing because some of us are sitting there going, you know, I'm just not too bright. You know, you know, uh, my lights aren't on always, always on in, you know, in my world. <laughs> uh, or, you know, what some of the catchphrases. But here's the truth is when we come into a relationship with Christ is this verse out of 1 Corinthians where Paul says we have the mind of Christ to be guided by His thoughts and purposes. We have the mind of Christ. Uh, so I want you to say it with me if you're a follower of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. Ready? Say it. I have the mind of Christ. Okay, we have that. Woo, boom, yay. Now he's just saying, I want you to exercise that. I want you to release that uh, in your world. And so here's a passage as we close out uh, this series, here's a passage I'd like for us to look at out of First Peter. 
that, that really undergirds exactly the message uh, that really God's been bringing before us week after week and just challenging us not to get lulled in to, to world think and not to lose our focus on, on the prominence of Jesus Christ. First Peter uh, chapter 1, we're going to look at 13 through 16. So, you know, here's Peter. He's exhorting these people and encouraging these people about who we are in Christ and, and, and the glory of Jesus and, and what it means to be a follower of His. And so here's what he says in verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Therefore, he's saying, prepare your minds for action. Okay, what is that saying? Let's hit the pause button. We just can't be just idle-minded. You ever, you, anybody ever accused you of being idle-minded? Uh, we can't do this. He said, prepare your minds for actions. He said, this is the way you live as a follower of Jesus Christ. And in, in the... Um, the New Testament in the context there, you know, they were wearing the robes that said, get those, get those robes up and guard them around you and you get ready for action. That's the picture. You get ready to run. So it's not like we just kind of hang out and just whatever comes, come. No, 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 no. We got to be intentional that. He's saying, you get ready. You prepare your minds for action. Be self-control. And he said, set your hope where? On the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And then in verse 14, he says, as obedient children, he's given us the opposite. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. He said, get ready, get ready, focus here. Get your minds ready. Embrace the truth and the victory and the identity that we have in Jesus Christ. I love the way that the uh, New Living Translation puts it. He's, in verse 14, he says, Don't slip back to your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But once we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he says, Now you know better. Now you have the power. Now you have what? The mind of Christ. Don't slip back into that. And so here's a good question for all of us. Lord Jesus, how much of my thinking is a result of me slipping back to world think? How much of, of my thinking about my life, about my family, about my children, about my relationships, about what I do and how I act whenever I'm paying taxes, how much of my thinking is a result of the old way? The unredeemed, unrenewed mind. But now I have the mind of Christ. Wow. And then he goes on to say in verse 15, But he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. So he's saying here, in order for us to be who we are and to, and, and to manifest that in our lives, we are what? We are holy. Why? Because he is holy. He says, live it out. Our holiness doesn't come because we're able to produce it. It comes because of who we are in Christ. We are dressed in His righteousness and His holiness. So there's an encouragement there. But how do we do that practically? How do we do this practically? This right here is just saying exactly that. Guys, don't let the old man in. Don't let stinking thinking dictate your life. Don't let it rob you. Don't let, let it cause you to miss out on opportunities uh, to share the good news with someone because now you're being fearful. That's stinking thinking. That's the old man. That's, that's not the new man in Christ. That's not who you are in Christ. How do we do that? Well, 
We've been saying it, to think like Jesus. If we're going to, to live this way, we need to think like Jesus. That means we need to let our gaze be on Him. Look to the Holy One. Look to the Holy One. How, how much are we doing that? Are we doing that? How, how much of our life is being uh, uh, invested in, in looking to Him and allowing Him to bring transformation to our thoughts and our minds so that we can experience and know that we're experiencing victory? No matter what we're going through, even though someone's laying on the field, we're watching that DVR, we're losing, somebody got hurt, how are we going to win without them? Oh, we know because we already know the end of the story. Because all we do in Jesus is win, win, win. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that it's pain-free. But it's when. It's victory. And God wants you and me to live in that way. Now, in the previous weeks, we looked at seven of these characteristics of thinking like Jesus. So, you know, we're looking at these statements of Jesus' life as far as how Jesus thought. And you can understand what somebody's thinking by what they say. And Jesus, these are things that Jesus said, and we looked at the previous seven. If you're here for the first time, sorry, I don't, we don't have time to uh, go through those first seven. Uh, you can go back and listen on the web and the podcast and all that kind of stuff. And we'll, we'll, if you want to, we'll provide you with the notes. But these were just, bang, one right after another as far as thinking like Jesus thinks. Now, I'm going to give you the last three. Wow, we've got to hurry. So when I think like Jesus thinks... Number eight, I am willing to sacrifice for others. That's what's happening. I'm willing to sacrifice for others. You know, a lot of us are willing to sacrifice for ourselves. But Jesus had this to say in John 10. He said, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. That phrase, lay down my life, is I give up my life. I sacrifice myself for the benefit of other people. That's what it means whenever we think like Jesus thinks. We've, we're, we're getting to the point in our life that we're going, Oh, what can I do for you? How can I sacrifice for you? And, you, and we're going, Whoa. Look at this next verse, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Now that verse right there really summarizes the heart of Christianity. Circle two things, to serve and to give. To serve and to give. You know, and you say, well, I know that Jesus sacrificed because He's the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world, but I'm not the Savior of the world. And I shouldn't have to lay down my life uh, for other people. What kind of thinking is that? Who did we just let in? Oh, man. That's not, that's not Jesus' think. We have the mind of Christ. All right, so it's here that, that we begin to, to, to understand what God is really inviting us to experience. Perhaps every one of us in here can, could share and quote uh, and have memorized the, the most popular verse in the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Um, you know, that verse helps us to understand that, you know, any of us, we can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. John 3.16. Now, what about 1 John 3.16? He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. Okay, let's pause, stop. Read this with me out loud. 
start with and. And we and what? Really? You just you just said that. Wow. See, this is a whole new understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Um, that's not the way the world functions. That's, that's the understanding of what it means to be a part of the family and the body of Christ. Be a part of the church. Uh, to think like Jesus. You know, we ought to be willing to lay down our lives for each other. Now, uh, there's been so many times that the Holy Spirit has come in and convicted me because uh, there, you know, there's certain things that you that you don't like or make you uncomfortable, or, or uh, but and then there's some things that you kind of hate. One of the things that I've learned to hate in Atlanta is traffic. I hate traffic, and so there have been there have been times that God may have put somebody on my mind, on my heart. You know, you need to go see them, and I think about what time of the day is it. I look at I look at my uh, GPS and it's all red, you know the traffic stuff's all red and it's going like, mm, I'm not sure if that. What what am I doing? I'm letting what I hate dictate what goes on in my life. It's not quite that convenient. And he's going, you mean you're not even willing to do that? That's not Jesus. This is Jesus think. This is the way Jesus thinks. You're willing to lay down your life. You're not even willing to inconvenience yourself a little bit because it may take twice as long to get there. You've never done that, but I'm just confession's good for the soul, I'm sure. But you know, here's what he's saying. You know, Jesus has this mindset. I'm willing to sacrifice. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? And it's you know, it's not just at Chick Fil A. You know, my pleasure. You know, how, and it's not just when you go into retail. This should be. This should be the lifestyle. And but yet we're so willing, you know, we're so concerned about uh, uh, you know, people are taking advantage of us. I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't look at me that way. Like, Mike, you're going to abuse my grace and my love time and time and time and time again. So I don't think so. Thinking like Christ. Uh, and having the mind of Christ is I am willing to sacrifice for others. Number nine. Number nine. I want to do God's will, not mine. Now this is just, this is Jesus' thing coming out. You know, it's not like, okay, this is what you've got on one day. No. When I look to Jesus, when I look to the author and perfecter of my faith, whenever I cast my gaze on Him instead of just being idle-minded and keeping it on the world and just you know being a vegging out in front of the TV and just absorbing all this other junk. Whenever I begin to just look to Him, this is what Jesus does in His transformational process in my life. And all of a sudden, I'm going, God, I want Your will, not mine. Wow. All through Scripture, Jesus says this over and over again. In John 6, 38, He says, I came to do what God wants me to do, not what I want to do. How radical and countercultural is that? You know, I, God, I just want to do what You want me to do, not what I feel like doing. You know, we all want to say, you know, <laughs> I want to do what I want to do. I want to do when I want to do it, where I want to do it, with whomever I want to do it. And it's so self-absorbed, self-focused. 
And, and, and the truth of the matter is, the, those tentacles are out there and our culture continue to draw me and you in to its own image as followers of Christ. And Jesus says, no, we've, we've got to activate our minds. We've got to, we've got to gird ourselves up and, and get our minds ready for action. Can't be idle-minded. Be intentional. John 14, 31, Jesus says, I want the world to know that I love the Father and that is why... I do exactly as the Father tells me to do. Instead of saying, you know, I want to do what's best for me, uh, Jesus says, I want to do what's in God's best interest. And you're going, man, I'm just so far from that. No, no, you're not. Because as a follower of Christ, you have the mind of Christ. It's just that you let the old man in and he's sitting there yakking at you. He won't shut up. There's so much trash talk. I see, here's what's going on in the football fields right now. A lot of trash talk. A lot of trash talk. You know, they're yakking. We don't hear a lot of that. We don't hear that stuff. We just hear the babbing announcers of their color commentators and all that kind of stuff that sometimes allow us to, to watch the game. You know, but uh, there's a lot of trash talk. And in your life there, that's true too. But he said, I want you to gird up your minds. I want you to get, get ready. Get ready for some action right here and, and embrace this truth. Jesus says, I obey God and I do exactly what it is that He wants me to do. And I do that because I love Him. I love Him. He has a relationship with the Father. And so here's the question. Lord, how's our love relationship? And He'll say, well, I'll tell you mine for you. I I've demonstrated it and I'll show you time and time again, I love you unconditionally. Lord, how's my heart for you? I do this because I love Him. And then Jesus says in His Word, He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Uh, and this obedience is an evidence of the love that we have already in our heart. And Jesus says, I'm doing this because I love the Father. Now, it's easy to do what God wants us to do whenever it's a sure victory. And, you know, and it's like uh, easy, something easy to do. But what about when it's difficult or what about when it's painful? The times, you know, that we go, oh, my goodness, this hurts. Well, God reminds us He did not even spare His Son from pain. And so there are, there are, we all know and will testify, yeah, there are some very painful and difficult times in my life and some of us allow that pain to turn us away from God. But God, you know, God hasn't turned away from us. It's part of, it's part of this world and it's part of this process. And He's saying, I want you to remember that there's purpose in this pain. I'm that cause it, but I can take and I can redeem that pain and I can use that for my glory and even for your good. To think like Jesus thinks means that even when it's painful, even when it's difficult, even when it seems impossible, that we have the mind of Christ and that we're willing to embrace Him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see this. Uh, Jesus was in agony, knowing the pain, emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual, uh, all the spiritual pain that He was going to go through the very next day. He was going to go through those trials uh, and He was going to have all this torture, the crown of thorns being spit on, being uh, hit and beaten and scourged and then nailed to a cross. He knew, He knew at that point what was coming down the pipe. 
And here's what he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, this very special time. Uh, next, next phrase, Abba, Daddy, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what may be robbing you of what you seemingly to have you in, in this box, this timeout box going, yeah, there's no way that we're going to win, win, win. I'm just trying to get through it and survive. Now, and God said, no, no, I, I want to transform that thinking. I want, I want to change that when it comes to your relationship, when it comes to who you are, when it comes to your understanding of your identity, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your influence in the world. I want to, I want to transform that. And yet, because of the pain and the suffering of whatever's going on, you're going, Abba, Father. It's appropriate for us as Jesus, the, the Gethsemane prayer, to also to enter into this tunnel, tunnel just as Jesus did. And there's kind of three phrases to this. And, and the first one is simply this. God wants us to come in the midst of our pain and difficulty and loss or suffering or whatever it may be that you're going through and just say as Jesus, Abba, Daddy, by faith, I know everything's possible for you. Jesus said, I know everything's possible for you. And, and, and God wants you to do the same thing. Even though it looks like you're losing, there's no way you're going to win, no way things are going to change, just, just come and by faith, believe, say, I know everything. I know that everything is possible for you. Second, second, second stage of that is please take this cup of suffering away from me. That's appropriate. I mean, that's what Jesus said. He said, Father, please take this away. And so you can just so it's very, it's okay to say, Lord, I really, really, this hurts so much. I don't want this pain in my life. Please, I'm, I'm begging you to take it away from me. It's been here for so long and I just please, please, please take it away. But then there's the third part. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Get to that place to be able to say, by faith, this is so painful. But I want your will to be done, not mine. I, I want your will to overshadow my comfort. I want, I want your will and your purpose to take precedence over anything that I desire. Wow. That, that, that's pretty awesome. I don't, I don't know what you're going through right now, and you may be going through something that's humiliating or um, painful. But we have this promise, this next verse. In Philippians 2.8.9, a reminder, Jesus humbled Himself and was fully obedient to God. And even when that caused His death on a cross, so God exalted Him and raised Him to the highest place and made uh, His name greater than every other name. Here's the deal. Just humble yourself. Just say, God, oh, this is a very difficult time. Lord, I'm, I'm frustrated. Uh, I'm even having a hard time voicing this prayer, but... Lord, I'm going to humble myself before You because I know that there's nothing going on in my life and You're not going to allow me to go through anything that has no purpose. 
See, Jesus, Jesus understood the love of God and He understood the purpose and the plan of God and God wants to invite me and you to do that. And you know what? We can withstand all kind of pain if we know there's purpose behind it and if we know that there's an ultimate release and reward. And Jesus understood that. He knew that. For the glory of being with the Father. He will lift you up. So, Having the mind of Christ, I'm going, um, man, God, I want to know you. I, I, I want to know and do your will, not mine. And boy, that's, that's a big turn. That's a big change. I want, instead of going, man, this is what I want. This is what I want. You know, let's get in the catalog. You know, we're so used to it. One of the, this is one of my practices, actually. I don't look at catalogs. You know, those things that come in the mail and they, all this stuff. Oh, all this new stuff. Because why? Because it tells me I need this stuff. And I really don't need it. But I'm telling you, when you start, you're locked in. Once you start looking at that stuff, you go, oh, I need this, I need this. I mean, we've all fallen for that, so I, I, I don't do it. But here's what we, I, don't, I should do more of, and all of us should do more. Look in this catalog. If we spend as much time looking in this catalog as we do out there and all the other ads, wow, we'd be going, I need that. I want that. We'll get to that in just a minute. All right, number 10. All right, quick. Uh, I think with an eternal perspective. When I think like Jesus, I think with an eternal perspective. Again, every one of these verses are these are coming from Jesus' mouth, and this is just, we know what he's thinking because this is what he's saying. Um, when we have the mind of Christ, it, uh, and we begin to think like Jesus does about, our past and about our present, about our future, about God, about death, about sin, about salvation, about our friends, about heaven. Uh, I mean, it all changes. When we start thinking like Jesus, we start thinking with an eternal perspective. And it's not all about the here and now. And then we can embrace certain things like delayed gratification and all that kind of stuff. This is the way that Jesus was able to handle pain. And this is the way we will because we know there's purpose. That God is in control and He loves us. And that uh, He is sovereign. We know that there's a, a future reward. And that's what He says here in uh, Hebrews 12.2 in the message. He says, Jesus was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy He knew would be His afterward. He is now seated in the place of highest honor beside God's throne. In heaven. All right, a whole lot of stuff for us to just cover in this amount of time. We need to marinate on that. Matter of fact, we need to go back and 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 marinate on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, because what we're thinking dictates our life. And he is inviting us to think more like him. And we can think more like Him today by receiving and embracing what He has to say and responding to what He is leading us to, to do today. Do you know what thinking like Jesus... You know what it means to go from thinking like me into thinking like Jesus? You know what the wor one word is? You know what that's called? When I change from thinking like the world or me and to change to thinking like Jesus, you know what that's called? Repentance. 
Change your mind. Uh, you know, we're not talking about turn or burn. We're talking about, that's what repent. Jesus invited us, repent. Change your mind about who I am. Change your mind about what I've come to do. Change your mind about who God is. He's not some, you know, some dictator. Change your mind about how you go about life. Change your mind. Man, I hope and pray that there's a lot of repenting going on in our church and in our lives. That it, there's repentance changing our minds today. And it's simply saying, you know, I'm not going to think about life. I'm not going to think about God. I'm not going to think about stuff the way I have for the last 10, 40, 60 years. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to begin to think about it like Jesus did. And we have 10 things listed here to enable me and you to think like Jesus thinks. And our way we think begins to influence every aspect about our beliefs and about our behavior. And you're saying, Mike, how do I do that? I'm going to give you two quick things. How am I able to practically do that? Because there's so much coming on. How can I do that? Here's just two simple things as far as how we can learn to think like Jesus. Number one, study Jesus' life and words in the Bible. Again, look at, look at this catalog. Study Jesus' life and His words in the Bible. All ten of these um, different things that we listed were Jesus' words. Study His life. Uh, study His words in the Bible. Study how He do it. How He did it. How He do it, too. Um, and the more we study that and look to that, the more you know we're going to understand and embrace the mind of Christ. So, you know, here's just a practical question. It's like, so how much am I doing that? How much time am I spending with the Lord in the morning in His Word? You go, I don't understand the Word. Well, do like some of our folks said, hey, I don't understand the Bible. I need somebody to walk along with me to help me understand the Bible. Boom. That's thinking like Jesus. Humbling yourself. Oh, and He'll reward you. Uh, Spend time here. Turn off the TV. Yeah. That's right. So I may have to turn off the TV and the DVR. You know, turn it off. Spend time. Look at this catalog and also, I want that. I need that. I've got that. Um, so study Jesus' life. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how He did it. You know, so focus on Him. You know, what gets your attention gets you. Focus on Him. Study Jesus' life and words in the Bible. There are other practical ways to do that. Be a part of a group. Be a part of a class. Get your own study. Uh, whatever. If you need help in that, just write it on the Connect card. Number two, uh, ask God to show me the meaning and application. So I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm reading and I'm studying this stuff, but I ask God to show me the meaning. And God, how do I apply this to my life? So often, you know, we just we get in there and, and, and we're just kind of reading this and we get check. I did my devotion this morning, but we, we need to be going like, God, I need you to show me the meaning. I need you to show me the application. A verse, you know, that you can just quote as you're reading the Bible is this. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your word. Just pray that as you read the God, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your word. The Bible calls that illumination. That's the job of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate, 
You know, and, and, and as I read the Bible, you know, I need God's Word, but I need God's Spirit. Amazing, right? John 16, 15, Jesus said this in the last verse I on the outline. Jesus says, The Spirit will take from what I have to say and make it known to you. And that's what Jesus said. Uh, the Spirit will take. We need God's Word and we know, need His Holy Spirit. Do you realize that this book is the only book that you can read and talk to the author at the same time you're reading it? Right? He's saying, do that. Don't read it like any other book. Talk to the author. Talk to the author. Um, trust Him. Depend on Him. He'll bring about change. What that change results in is called, it's an old-timey word too, revival. It will revive your life. It will revive your soul. It will revive your marriage. It will revive your friendships. It will revive your relationships. It will revive your parenting. Everything in your life. Don't let the old man in. Live with the end in mind. Let's pray. Alright, as, as, as our hearts are bowed before Him right now, would you make that... Well, just be a doer of His words. Just say, right now, Jesus, would You open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in the words that You've given me today. And then show me what to do with that. What's the application for my life today? And for some, it may be, hey, I really do just want you, you've heard it all your life, but I want you to spend time with me and I want you to seek my face before you see the faces of others. Really, I just, I want, I want to bring about the transformation practically in your life. that you've been desiring for all these years, but you've kind of been going about it in, in, in a wrong way. You, you, you've been thinking wrong. You've been thinking world think. It's been a little self-serving, and yet I've been wanting you to deny this or deny a little bit of sleep so you can spend time with me. And, and you, I don't know what it is, but just ask Him to show you the application. What does this mean for me? And then I encourage you to, this morning just to, to commit to obey. Trust and obey. Just to say, okay, I commit today to seeking Your face. To getting into Your Word. On a regular basis, I'm looking to You to... Help me develop a habit in my life, Jesus. Because it's, it's, well, it, it's of eternal significance.
Don't let the evil one come in in condemnation, for there is therefore now no condemnation uh, for those in Christ. Because see, what he'll do, he'll come in and say, you're just pathetic and you've always been pathetic and it ain't ever going to change. That's old man and the old liar, Satan. That is not the Spirit of God. He is inviting you just to repent, to change your mind about, well, the way you thought you should do it and allow Him to show you how to apply it. Father God, we just thank You that in You, we have abundant living. In You, we know the outcome. In You, we know there's victory. May we as individuals and as the body of Christ and as Your church proclaim that and demonstrate that all for Your glory. May we decrease and may You increase in prominence today, right here, right now. For we make it our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.